What's going on, folks? It's the Not Another Football Podcast. We're back with your hosts, Greg, Mike, and JP. Guys, last time, our listeners listened to us on Thanksgiving, but how are your Thanksgivings? We haven't had a chance to recap that yet. It was good. Uh, seemed pretty low-key. Just went over to Camille's uh, parents' house and just had uh, some aunts and uncles and cousin over. Um, but the food was good. Uh, night just kind of flew by, but o- overall, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, food was good. The turkey, uh, JP, was really good. Uh, unfortunately, there, there was no mac and cheese, but overall, um, I'm satisfied. Now I'm ready to move on to, as Bel- Bill Belichick would say, I'm moving on to Christmas. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good Thanksgiving. Spent time, quality time with family. Did some cooking. I uh, I like to fashion myself as the uh, the household chef, so I love to throw down in the kitchen. Um, made a fire mac and cheese recipe, um, and then also we had a post Thanksgiving cookie contest at work. Boy took home first prize with the Snickerdoodles. Shout out to your boy. Um, but other than that, Thanksgiving was good. It was a good time to relax, catch up with family, spend some time, um, both watching football on the day of and then watching football or football every day since. And it has been a nonstop sports fest for me. So I've been a very happy man in that regards. Also, take a quick moment. Uh, shout out to the USA, man. We're recording this on, a, on Tuesday, the 29th. America beats Iran. All the way through to the knockout stages. USA. USA. Well, if we're going to go ahead and give out shout outs, then we can't leave out Michigan football. Can I, I mean, talk about my Thanksgiving first. Like, oh, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I was going to go back to you. He's the one that switched. I just wanted to throw in the USA comment. Well, I was just going to piggyback off of JP's excitement, but. Yeah, no, JP, you, can, you, you, you can't escape the blame here. Like, you said something that was pretty exciting. And of course, Greg had a big football weekend other than Sunday. So you knew he was going to jump in there. Let's, let's just pump the brakes, as Greg would say. So, Mike, how was your Thanksgiving? Well, I don't want to say, no, it's fine. Uh, no, I had a really good Thanksgiving. Um, we're kind of lucky in the sense that we got to spend the actual day with Nayara's parents here. At our place, we hosted for the first time. She made turkey for the first time. It was like a really nice um, stepping into um, the married life and kind of the next gear of life. Um, so that was nice. And then on Sunday, we got to spend it with the larger family, her parents again, and then also her sister and her fam and his family rather um all together we had some great food good turkey both times and um only one mac and cheese but it was fire so i have to put you guys to the test but that's all i wanted to say about mine it was great um but one of the things that we all went around and did was say what we're thankful for and i was sure to say that i was thankful for having both of you guys in my life because really appreciate you two sticking around all these years so no you're stuck with you're, you're stuck with me now <laughs> there's well, that what's that rule if you're friends with longer for so, with someone for longer than seven years you're statistically proven to be friends for the rest of your lives so it is something like that but you know belichick greg belichick had a really good saying about just moving on to christmas and it's always a pulling teeth to get this family to celebrate thanksgiving because christmas is the biggest holiday in, in our calendars every year honestly as it should be so so did i, I will not started for you guys already well okay, okay so so in the household christmas started in our household on Halloween. Um, but I don't stand for the Thanksgiving erasure. I mean, 
not that I'm Thanksgiving original list. I live in Massachusetts, so like we have to celebrate. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily jive with Thanksgiving in, a, in like in a sentimental way, but like I'm all like give give the fall its time, right? That's right. The DNI goes- guy doesn't doesn't jive with cross cultural cooperation, but let's go, baby. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Listen, we're not gonna do that because that's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother situation. We're gonna avoid that today. I'm just saying. I think Halloween gets its spooky season. There should be a fall season appropriately, and then an adequate enough time for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa to get their time. So, I'm of the opinion. That it should wait. It should wait. It should wait until the until after Thanksgiving. But that's just me. But the tree was up November second here in this household. So you win some, you lose some. Yeah, I used to be that way, JP. Where I'm like, no, everything has a season, and I was so adamant about that. Um, but I've always loved Christmas more than everything. So for me, fall is September till beginning. Mm, Halfway through October, uh, maybe sometimes I'll give it till Halloween. But then once November hits, I am in, I would say the last like two, three years, I am full Christmas mode. I am ready to go. This year, more like any other, um, I'm just like waiting for Christmas. No holiday really matters to me at this point other than Christmas. You know, they made a series of movies about someone like that, Greg, who ended up becoming Santa Claus. And I just... The more you grow your beard out, the more I just see it in you. You're just becoming Scott Calvin and, and the next uh, Santa Claus. I love it. Well, I don't want that responsibility. Just uh, now I'll, I'll pass, but thank you. Even though I think I JP's got a better beard than me, obviously. Well, so this this was brought up because uh, one of our friends um, took their daughter. Um, he, uh, you know, her and her husband took their daughter to go see Santa and it was a black Santa. And I was like, oh. Hell yeah, I love a black Santa. And then I was saying, I was like, what am I going to do when I retire? And I think that, you know, Dominican Santa will be, will be, will emerge into the world once I retire from life. And I'm old, have a long gray beard, we're somehow still doing this podcast. And I think, I think mall Santa, if malls are even a thing in, in the future, it's a good role for me. You'll be you'll be TikTok Dominican Santa. I can't can't wait. It's gonna be a sí. Sa- Santa Claus. Yeah, Santa Claus. Feliz, Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Feliz Navidad de Santa Claus. You know, I do have to say that speaking of Black Santa, it, it's not a very popular shade of Santa. And um, growing up, my mom always made an effort um, to have Black Santa figures like around our house. And so I grew up with a very multicultural understanding of, of Christmas and Kwanzaa and all of that stuff. Um, but it was always so awkward going into school and seeing just the one type of Santa. Um, but, you know, I'm just glad it's Christmas season and that we're starting to put up lights and trees and, and things like that. So um, for the question of the day, um, I'm, I'm curious now that we're, you know, full into Christmas season and some can argue it starts on November 1st. Some can argue it starts uh, the day after Thanksgiving, but there's really no in between. The only thing that's constant about Christmas and everyone can agree on is that Christmas music starts <laughs> uh, and, it, and it kicks off earlier and earlier every year. So I'm interested for the question of the day to talk. What, in your opinion, is the most overplayed, overhyped, tired and worn out Christmas song other than Mariah Carey's anthem of her, her, her life? 
Um, I'll go ahead and take this one. So I have this one off the bat. Um, Baby, it's cold outside. I do not like that song. It's creepy. It's very weird. Super sketch, super sus vibes from that whole song. I will say it got a lot better. John Legend did a remake of it that was anti-creepy. And I'm all I'm all for it. So immediately off the bat, Baby, it's cold outside. Not my jam. Too creepy. Very predatory. What about you, Mike? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really great pick, to be honest, and it is truly creepy. Um, if I'm going to think about something that's overplayed, overhyped, and overdone, I, I have to say just Jingle Bells. You know, not that I don't, not that I dislike the song, and I'll, I'll love to hear it at the Boston Pops in a couple of weeks, but I feel like the renditions of it kind of get out of hand. Um, and so it's, it, it, it becomes less of a familiar tune and more of a, which which one is this? And so it's harder to sing along and harder to know kind of what you're what you get in in any in any given situation. So jingle bells for me. Greg, what about you? Okay, so I think every Christmas song for me has a minimum. I would say I'll listen to it throughout this throughout the season at least twice, three times maybe. But there is one song that. It's still good. I think it's a fine song, but I can only listen to it once a year. And that was Last Christmas by Wham. And it's not because I hate it. I just, it just gets stuck in my head. And it's so like, I don't know. It just sounds so like 80s and whatnot. I think it's a fine song, but I can only listen to it once a year. And I'm like done. It's a bop. What are you talking about? It's a bop. Yeah. Like I said, I don't have a problem with it, but I can only listen to it once, once or twice. Um, JP, there's a, um, Netflix Christmas movie that came out the last year or two years ago called love hard. And they did a little, um, rendition or a remix of, um, baby it's cold outside or whatever. And I thought it was pretty funny. Um, anyone who's ever, if you haven't seen that movie, I think it's just a fun movie to watch, but, um, YouTube it, they do a, uh, they kind of make fun of how that song is so creepy, but go watch it. So this lets us move into league news where we're seeing a lot of players, um, as Mike eloquently said, um, who are overplayed, who have some who are overhyped and some who have just not been able to live up to it this year. Um, it was a, it was, it was kind of a rough day, kind of a rough week for injuries. Um, we have a myriad of injuries. Uh, I'm just going to quickly run down this list and I'll have each of you kind of talk about which ones were more impactful or will have more, more of a lasting effect for these teams, especially since we have some who are in the playoff mix. So we have going to the IR, both Allen Robinson and uh, Darnell Mooney. We have a couple of quarterbacks with injuries. We have Justin Fields, who did not play on Sunday with a uh, dislocated shoulder. Aaron Rodgers um, has a broken finger, also picked up a, a pretty pretty gnarly oblique injury that kept him out the second half of that game. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo also took a, a pretty wonky hit to the knee. Um, and then I just feel like there's something going on in San Francisco because even more injury issues going on over there with both McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell picking up a knee injury. McCaffrey's uh, significantly less severe, um, whereas Elijah Mitchell is looking to be out, you know, four to six weeks, I believe, um, or six to eight. Um, thank you for the correction there, Mike. Um, so we just we have a lot of injuries left, right, and center. Uh, the one that I think is very 
the one that's going to stand out to me in particular is the Teron Armstead injury. He picked up a pectoral injury um, as the Bucks, as sorry, as the Dolphins beat the Texans on Sunday, and uh, up until Teron Armstead got hurt, Tua had not been sacked since coming back from that concussion. Large, due in large part to the play of Teron Armstead. Subsequently, as soon as he goes out, Tua sacked four times. So we're talking about things that make teams contenders. It's keeping your quarterback upright. And I think that for this particular style of offense, I think that this losing your left tackle is going to be extremely detrimental for the Dolphins moving forward. So I want to throw it to y'all. Which of these injuries that I've listed out here today do you think is going to cause a more the most intense ripple effect? Um, just looking at that list, you know, you saw I saw Jimmy G, McCaffrey, and Mitchell all there. So immediately, I want to say them. But to also touch on your point, we, in my opinion, and I know this is going to sound uh, blasphemous to JP, but Tua is only as good as his surrounding cast. And if that, if his tackle is out for an extended period of time, especially with who they're coming up against next with the giant or uh, the Niners, you know, the type of pressure that they can put on uh, with that defense um, that they're de- the Niners defense is playing light out lights out this year. So obviously I think it's bigger than just this one game, but I think it's a very unfortunate game for him to go down before um, they play. So, um, we'll see, you know, like you, like you touched on that offense is, is predicated on trying to get the ball out pretty fast. They do have the receivers, um, and sort of, uh, that new running back with, uh, Jeff Wilson, um, to kind of be able to get the ball out a little bit quicker. So hopefully that minimizes it a little bit. He is making quick decisions on getting the ball out and getting them to the right place, uh, when he's supposed to, but, um, we've talked about it since week one with, in, with injuries, you can't replace offensive linemen, especially uh, your blindside tackle or any tackles in this league. So um, that one right there is definitely a huge one. Great points there, there, Greg. I think that it's a uh, it's a fair critique and a fair uh, assessment of kind of where where that stands. Um, uh, for me, I, I think that the one that is is most concerning here is is Aaron Rodgers. I think due to his age, unfortunately, it's harder to come back from uh, injuries like a broken finger and, and rib injuries. And so I, I don't envy the kind of rehab he'll have to do to be uh, a functioning NFL quarterback again, um, up to the level that they need him. But I, you know, I had had that note written before the podcast and then hearing that uh, he's actually going to start this week is, is kind of, a, it's a shock to me. And, you know, it's just a, another testament to kind of the, uh, the will and um, strength of some of these players and what they have to play through and as i said last week you know it it, it truly is a hundred percent injury rate and it just depends on how you can you can adjust to, to certain things um of course there are some that are that are worse than others always such as knee injuries it is impossible to play this sort of football if you aren't feeling okay with your wheels um <clears throat> with that being said i think th- those that one really stands out stands out and as unfortunate as injuries are, it really uh, just begs the question, you know, which which teams are able to weather the storm a little bit better. Um, and so uh, we've been delaying this for a couple of weeks to see how certain things shook out. And um, to the point that I made perhaps offline last week that uh, saving this for one week will really kind of reshuffle the way that we look at our top top five teams. It truly did. Um, I did not uh, envision one of my top five losing to uh, a team with a losing record. And so 
here we are talking about power rankings, second time this year. Um, I'm happy to lead off and then uh, toss it over to, to JP and, and Greg to round us out. So at number five, I have the Vikings. I think they've been playing pretty well, um, despite a couple of uh, losses and injuries. But um, then I have at number four, <clears throat> the 49ers, number three, the Bills, number two, uh, the Eagles, and number one, the Chiefs. I Man, this this year is all about parity, as we've talked about several times. And this this list gets harder and harder as the weeks, as the weeks go on. Um, there is a log jam behind the Vikings at five. What about you guys? Yep. So for my power rankings, uh, I'm going to start off with five. At five, I have the Cowboys. I think that they, the offense still has some things to figure out throwing the ball. Um, really excited to see what Tony Pollard has done with that offense and has really kind of created a new avenue um, as we've seen some struggles from Michael Gallup this year. At number four, I have the Bills. Um I have the. Uh, I think that they have been really shaky the last three weeks, uh, really getting caught out there against the Lions. Um, almost didn't come out with a win in that game. Um, at number three, I have the Dolphins. I think that the Dolphins, with Tua at the helm, have not been beaten, and I think that has something to show for the 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 ability for that team to win big games. Um, at number two, I have the Chiefs. Um, that offense is just insane to watch. Um, and then at number one, I have the 10 and one Philadelphia Eagles because that rushing attack and that offensive line is insanity. And the more, the more time that the recent acquisitions of Indomitian Sue and, uh, oh my, I'm blanking on his name. The other defensive tackle that they just signed, uh, Linval Joseph, Linval Joseph, uh, my apologies. Once they get more familiar in the scheme, that run defense that struggled a little bit against teams like the Eagles or sorry, teams like the, the Cowboys and the Giants who are very run dominant teams. I think that's going to solidify a lot when it comes to how skilled that defense is. Cause the secondary is insane. They just need to work on the run defense. All right. So this week for me, I think was a lot kind of what Mike was saying uh, was a little bit harder for me to, to figure out my top, five I kind of put I feel like my top two are just easy I don't think that they've really changed much all year but for me I don't feel strong with this but I'm going uh, at five I'm going Vikings four Niners three Cowboys two Eagles one Kansas City Um, I struggled a little bit I know I left the bills out of there i I don't know. Week, week to week, I, I feel like I could take the Niners out and put the Bills in there just because of the recent injuries we were just talking about. So moving forward, how big are those injuries going to play? Um, I mainly moved the Niners up and the Vikings and the Bills right there at five only because I like, I kind of like the defenses better. Um, but I know that sounds contradic- contradictory because the Vikings have a worse defense than the Bills, but I only put them ahead of the Bills because they played and the Vikings beat the Bills. So um, that's what I'm going with. Now let's go ahead and argue over this. Um, I think there's really no argument with the Eagles in Kansas City being top two, correct? Yep, agreed. And I, I'd have to say, JP, where did you have the Bills? Or JP and Mike, where did you both have the Bills at in, in yours? I had the Bills at four. I had them at three. Okay. So still, I mean, they're they're in our top five, but if you would have told me, what are we, like 12 weeks into this, 
Um, after, I mean, obviously 12 weeks makes a huge difference. Um, after week one and two, I think the first three weeks of the year, it was just like, man, these guys, this offense is might be unstoppable all year. But then the last month, it it's kind of really slowing down. And I think you're starting to see um, holes in their offense. I know the defense, mainly their defense has just had a lot of injuries. And I think that's, that to me is the biggest one that I'm like, when they're healthy, the bill, I don't, I don't worry about the bills defense at all. Um, which I wouldn't normally feel like that with their offense either, but I hate that they don't really have a run game. And that is what I think separates them from the Eagles and the chiefs, even though the chiefs don't really have a run game, the way that Mahomes facilitates the ball around and with the emergence of, uh, what is it? Pacheco. I don't know yeah, if I said that right. That, that that's their run game now. And he's, he's been phenomenal. He's averaging, yes. I think close to like five and a half yards of carry. Yeah. It's insane. And then you, and then once again, it, it all goes back to, I trust Andy Reed to figure out who to get playmakers, the ball in space and Patrick Mahomes uh, more than I trust any of the other quarterbacks in the top five. So that that's kind of why I put Kansas city there, even though um, Eagles have a better record. I just, um, if they were to play tomorrow head to head, I'm choosing Patrick Mahomes and that's why I'm going with them. Not because I think that they're just leaps and bounds better. I just, as of right now, I trust Patrick Mahomes more. I'm over here nodding like an idiot because yes, absolutely. Everything you, you just said top to bottom was, was so incredibly true. And, um, you know, I, I have the bills a little higher than, than you both do. And, and, you know, it, it really, I think you, you, you said it perfectly, Greg, you, you wouldn't worry about this if a, they were healthy all the way across the board or B, if they had a run game. And it just seems like they haven't been able to put that last piece of the puzzle together in order to get the full picture and be where they want to be. Um, but again, that's like, that is the name of the game in the AFC this year. And, and arguably the last two years is that these teams that in theory are com- competitive or contending for the chiefs top spot are just that they're, they're always one piece away or they haven't put it all together. And again, I think that comes down to coaching, which is why I think Andy Reed is a cut above a lot of the other head coaches in the league with the way he deploys his personnel, or at least can adjust and knows uh, sorry, can adjust in game to that personnel and just knows how to beat you with whoever he has, not who he wants. Um, and I think that's a huge issue in the league today. So I'm I'm curious as to why neither of you have the Cowboys in your top five. Because I think what's because correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, you have the Vikings in your top five. Um, I have the Cowboys at three. Oh yeah. Oh, my apologies. My apologies. I didn't. I don't have. I don't have yours in front of me. Um, no, I I know I was I was having a hard time. I keep switching I to, around. I tried to write it down quickly, um, but but for Mike, then let me bring you on this because you have the Vikings in there. Um, after that performance on Thanksgiving, or not on Thanksgiving, no, the, uh, on the week before Thanksgiving, why in that situation would you put the Vikings in when they got tallywhacked by the Cowboys? Totally, uh, I think that's that's a very fair question and. I don't think the answer is going to be great for Cowboys fans or for those listening. So uh, to be honest, you know, I, I really don't, to me, the NFL, as much as it is in any given Sunday league, it's not a week to week league. And I like to look at the, uh, the body of content that's delivered as opposed to the individual lines uh, within the, within the season. And so there are some things about the Cowboys that I've seen that I am just not, 
convinced that they are able to replicate in January. And I don't want to say that playoff football is how I'm judging regular season teams because that's never the case. As clear as 2019 was for the Ravens going, uh, doing so well in the regular season and failing the playoffs. So um, what I'm looking at is in the, in, in my opinion, the entirety of, of what they've been able to bring to the field this year. And I have some significant questions against better teams. Um, in, in, as an example, looking at the uh, one of the interceptions that Dak, Dak has thrown recently was more off of off of a receiver's hands, and while they were able to come back and win the game, I still think that there's a little bit of miscommunication between him and CD Lamb, and I'm not sure that they're gelling in a way that's going to necess- necessarily deliver them in the playoffs for the way that they would want and hope. Um, and I just don't see them progressing as a squad as uh, as a squad as much as I would hope to see later, um, particularly um, along the offensive line. However, the same argument can be made against several of the other teams I have in my top, um, my top. but um, I think in, in a game-to-game, uh, look, it, it, I think if the Cowboys played the Vikings or the 49ers in back-to-back weeks, I don't think they'd win both games. And to me, that um, is an opinion that I hold and one of the reasons that I don't think I would put them uh, in the top five. That doesn't mean they're not six. doesn't mean they're not seven. doesn't mean they're not in the top 10. Um, and I, and I don't want to get into to splitting hairs in the sense of, oh, well, they are just behind the Vikings and it's a, you know, a, a close game, but I'll, and I'll, I'll defend my, uh, my decision there. So. Is it is it time for me to, to respond to your your backhanded Tua comment, or should we just leave that for later? No, go up, go ahead. Why Let's y'all sleeping on my man Tua? Huh? Who's sleeping on him? Why y'all sleeping on my man Tua? Who's sleeping on him? Everybody. Who? Because last time I checked, people Everybody. love him. I have not heard a bad thing about Tua all year, and. The, this dude is in the freaking MVP race. And what I said to you right guys the other so. day is how can a man, how can someone be in, in the MVP race and not even be the best player on the team? How does that, to me, that just doesn't make sense. Cause the MVP is, has never been a non quarterback award. There's been anomalies, but the MVP is a quarterback award and it has been treated as such for the last ever doesn't matter you cannot be the most valuable player and win across the entire league if you are not the mvp on your team to me i said it earlier i like Tua. i don't have a problem with him i think in a in a system especially the system he's in now he will do he will do really well um especially with the weapons around him you give him stability i mean he has weapons like he did at Alabama. And what did he do? He did great at Alabama. You bring him in the league, you don't surround him with the right pieces. The coaching wasn't great, um, but he had a defense there. The defense Let me ask you there this. with Flores was better than it is now. Can I ask you something? Go ahead. Can I ask you something? Go ahead. Aaron Rodgers' last two MVPs. Should have won them. Okay. Do you think you, So you don't think he should have won them? Not back-to-back. I don't think he should have won it last year. Two years ago, yeah. Not last year. But two years ago, what was the impetus for him winning that? It was Uh, Devontae Adams becoming the best wide receiver in the NFL. So what's the difference there? 
like like there i get that there are some situations like obviously we can point to who who's going to win mvp this year it's going to be patrick mahomes because that man is playing on a completely on a completely other level than any other quarterback in the nfl two is not winning mvp this year flat out it's just it is what it is but i think that the I think that the way that he's played has been such a huge jump from the conversation that was going that was surrounding Tua coming into the year. Okay, but and I think that's how much of that is attributed to what they've done in the offseason and, and bringing in players that can legitimately just put defenses up against the wall and do whatever they want to them. Like it's well that that's that has to start from someone has to give them the ball. Yeah. A right. ball machine could give them the ball, and it would probably be have the same stats, if not better stats, than Tua. Like it, it, that's not the argument. The argument here is: Did the pieces that came in to Miami elevate Tua's game to the point where you're ready to bow down to the new MVP of the league versus other players who perhaps don't have the same wide receiver help or or, or wide receiving core, but are themselves the entire offense and therefore the MVP of the team and theoretically the league? To Greg's point, at least I think. Well, but I mean, even in that in that aspect, right? Then should we should we rescind Aaron Rodgers MVP because he's without Devontae Adams? We've seen the product on the field; it's not good. It's bad football. But that, how does that equate then? Because he had Devontae Adams, and now Tua has these receivers and is playing better. Aaron Rodgers no longer has Devontae Adams and is not playing correct up to but that same stand. I guess what I guess my point is: I didn't believe that Aaron Rodgers was the best player on that team last year. Devonte Adams Good. last 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 year, oh, right? The last two years. Okay, but last year specifically, both Correct. of us agree with you that he shouldn't have won that that award. The la- but I'm saying it's even more than that. Correct. But what? But why don't you think he? Sh- and I, I want to bring Greg in here because he he had more of a defense than I ever will for Aaron Rodgers in the previous two years. However, I just want to say. I, I feel like it's a little bit splitting of the hair because of what he was able to bring in versus what Aaron Rodgers was able to get or draft uh, via their system. I don't have Aaron Rodgers' numbers from the last two years, but I remember it was coming down to it last year, and it was like, okay, it's a lot of people thought it was either going to be Brady or Rodgers. I thought, I mean, if correct me if I'm wrong, I thought Brady had better numbers last year, and I was just like, okay, like at – Given everything, I thought Brady was going to win it, but it went to Rodgers. Um, I don't know what it was two years ago, but I'm not arguing with you against that, JP, either. Like, if you have someone on your team – and th- this is another question that I, I, I pose and I think about all the time. And I think the wor- – I'm, I'm going to call it the world, for lack of better words. Uh, sports fans have this question all the time in every sport. How good was – this player without this player. How good was this player without the coach? MJ wouldn't have been MJ without Pippen and, you know, Kobe and Shaq and LeBron and Kyrie. You you have all this stuff, Uh, Brady and Belichick, Brady and Gronk. So how much of that truly gets attributed to the quarterback we've already talked about gets all the praise, all the hate, all the love. They're the only person on the team in the entirety of football besides a coach that has a win loss attached to them. So like, Unfortunately, yeah, that's where the MVP tends to go. If it's a close race between a quarterback and a non-quarterback, we all know who's going to get it. It's going to be the quarterback, whether it's in a game or whether whether it's in the season. So I don't know. I it's 
sometimes impossible to separate people because to your point, JP, you've seen what Aaron Rodgers has done this year without Devonte Adams. I don't care what the stat was uh, when Adams was on the team where in single games where he didn't play, Aaron Rodgers had like a winning record. Okay, that's just one game. But now we're asking you to do it for an entire season. Completely different. You know what I mean? So in that situation, I'm like, I'm not saying Devontae Adams made Aaron Rodgers, but he sure as hell helped get him to that status the last five, six years, however long Adams was there. He definitely elevated his game because it's that, it's that safety net. No one could guard Adams one-on-one. Same with, I think, Tyreek. You take Tyreek out of that system in Kansas City, and now you put him over uh, into this scheme where, I mean, he's just running open and Tua can just give him the ball. Like, I'm not trying to dis- completely discredit Tua, but I really do think um, if Hill, if Tyreek Hill wasn't on the Dolphins, I don't think Tua would be putting up the numbers that he does now. I still think he would be a fine quarterback because I that scheme is built for him. I, I, I really do think he couldn't have asked for a better coach to come into Miami. Um, so that that's my only hesitation with it. I'm like, I, Tyreek to me is the X factor, the game changer on Miami's offense. And that's why I couldn't give two of the MVP because of that. And to your point, yeah, you know, I, I said Rodgers was the MVP two years ago, but like you take Adams off, you see what he did this year, which isn't anything. So yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been the MVP. Air quote, shouldn't have been the MVP. So um, yeah, you kind of caught me up on that one, JP, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how much credit to give to people other than quarterbacks. Yeah, and it's it's tough. And like I definitely think they're like I think this year if we're making it as a as an argument of overall contributions most valuable to your team, I do think Tyreek Hill should be in the MVP conversation absolutely. Um I just I just think that I what has been unfair, I guess, within the last few years is a lot of a lot of what went down with the Dolphins is an organizational structure, the whole Brian, Brian Flores situation, all of that. And a lot of it fell on Tua. A lot of, and the, there was a report that came out this week that one of the first things that, that Mike McDaniel did when he came into Miami is he put together a highlight reel that was an hour and a half long, specifically to show Tua why he thinks that Tua is an NFL, is, is an NFL and future MVP. Because the boy, the, the kid's confidence was shot. Like, make obviously, you can obviously tell Brian Flores didn't want him as a quarterback. That killed his confidence, and that is one of the most quarterback and kicker are the two most mentally, like psychologically difficult positions in terms of pressure on the NF, on a football field. So, I think that's what's really important. As you mentioned, is that that is the right coach for him, um, and it's the right system. I just, I think that. Production-wise, we've seen something that we haven't seen in a long time, particularly coming out of Miami, which has been a historically really bad franchise within the last 25 years. They haven't been a, they haven't been a dominant team. They haven't won a championship since 1972, right? So I think it's just interesting, and I know this has turned into Dolphins uh, a Dolphins podcast somehow. Uh, that's my fault. I just I really I really enjoy what that offense puts together. I think it's it's a really fun and innovative offense, and I just enjoy watching it. I actually just started playing with their offense in Madden twenty three, and I'm it's not it's clearly not the same, but the kind of stuff that they have on on the um, 
stuff they have on there is really fun. So, okay. So I, I got to ask, I'm looking at our power rankings right now, Mike, you have one, two, three, JP one, one, two, and I have three. Okay. So we all have NFC besides Mike, um, as the predominance in our top five. Mike is very much, very much against NFC and is very big on AFC. Now, I look at my top five right now, and I have four NFC players in there with Kansas City being the lone one. I wouldn't be surprised if any of my top five won the Super Bowl. It, that's another reason why or how I could put them in there right now is if any of those teams won the Super Bowl, I I mean, honestly, historically, the one I would be the most surprised with would be the Cowboys, just given everything that they are in the statements I've made over the year. I still stand by my statement. I don't think they'll ever win a Super Bowl with Jerry Jones there. That's that's just me. Um, so, Mike, I got to ask, with JP and I being so heavy on the NFC and and um, kind of the the power of the NFC East this year, even though they've kind of been a laughing stock the last couple years, is this year changing how you felt about it? Or is it more of uh, the AFC is just so heavily loaded with quarterbacks and talent that they're beating up on each other? Like what, what is your take on that? Um, I'm kind of curious, even though I feel like I already know where it is. <laughs> I, well, uh, two things. One, I've always been uh, a believer that the AFC uh, similar to the old Pac-12, would be all like a bunch of good teams who just keep beating each other. Um, I think that I'll I'll just check a second though and say that I actually have just two AFC teams in 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 mind, um, kind of like everyone else, except for JP. Actually, so, uh, sorry, JP has more I read that as AFC teams than I do, which again. All things considered, is shocking. Um, but I think, af- as I was saying, as we led into this, looking back at this week, like you just can't. Power rankings are a "what have you done for me late me lately" standing, and so like the the AFC is beaten up on themselves, and teams are losing to teams they shouldn't, and teams are uh, just struggling in in their divisions. And so, um, you know, I I am I'm not above the recognition that I can't rank teams that I think are better above teams that have either beaten them or are have a better record. And so I, I'm trying to adhere to the constructs of power rankings by having so many NFC teams. However, I'm not considering the amount of injuries that we went through for the 49ers, the, the Vikings having lost to the Cowboys. I'm not even convinced that beyond my first two teams, the rest of these teams will even compete in January, September, or sorry, January, February, and so I, it, it, it truly is a, a grab bag of who's who and, and you know who's going to be uh, ready for that for that time. But JP, as a, an avid NFC supporter, I'm very interested to hear why the AFC is tripping your um, your breaker a little bit. It's it's the quarterback play. You're getting better quarterback play in the AFC. Looking even looking across like all of these all of these teams, right? We're looking at the the teams that separate our our our, our respective ones, right? For me, like if you look at the five quarterbacks, it's Jalen Hurts, who's playing at an MVP level, um, best dual threat quarterback in the league, playing in the league right now. Um, you have the Chiefs, 
Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Dolphins, Tua statistically is almost leading every category when it comes to completion percentage, yards downfield, touchdown to interception ratio. Bills, Josh Allen is a Josh Allen who's had a couple of shaky kind of days, been really and who's played really well. And then Cowboys, Dak is my only questionable one. But even looking at the other teams, like right, you have the Vikings who make y'all's the 49ers, which I don't think they're getting they Jimmy G had a good game in Mexico City. Yes. But I don't think that that is I think that is more outlier than the mean when it comes to to him. Like like we talked about this, right? It's I don't think he's I don't think he can lead you to a win. You can win with Jimmy G. I think that the quarterback play that we're seeing in the AFC is better than what we're seeing in the NFC. Um when it comes to the top of the top of the divisions. That's that's just what I that's what I see. And as we've seen, quarterback play is going to take you farther. Cuz you have to be able to win you have to be able to have that ability to come from behind to win games, especially when you're making deep postseason runs. The quarterback play in the AFC has just been better. No, yeah, I don't. I don't think there will be much argument from you there. I think, and I think that's part of why, up until this last week, people have been hesitant to write off Tampa Bay because, like you said, if it comes down to the playoffs, like they, like they got in Brady's first year, and you, you look at the quarterbacks he would have to go through, you know, it would be a Daniel Jones, a Heineke, uh, hurt, not, and we're just talking just strictly quarterbacks, not the entire team. And you're kind of like what I said earlier, you know, I would trust Mahomes over hurts if they are playing against each other, right. You know, tomorrow, just because of Mahomes, what he can do and, um, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, strictly speaking, and AFC is stacked. We knew that coming into the year, and I think it's just kind of playing it, playing out. Um, it's playing out that way. But I don't think people thought that the NFC would be minus the NFC East would be this wide open. Um, the fact that it's pretty much the Eagles as the front runner that everyone's like, okay, like they're going to trip themselves up. Like, can anyone really take them out? Um, I, I don't know. It. That's why I think. Come playoffs, it's going to be really fun this year because it's wide open. And yeah, and this is where I have to give credit to Mike because Mike made this call. Mike, at the very beginning of the year, absolutely called that the NFC East was going to be the best division in football, and it has been. They have all four teams in the playoffs right now. Um, Even a broken clock is right twice a day, JP. So no, no, listen, I'm not, listen. I understand that I can be critical. I get that. But I also give respect where respect is due. You absolutely called it. Greg and I both doubted you when it came to trusting the Giants. Uh, the Cowboys, we knew it was going to be iffy. But the the truth of the matter is, is that you were absolutely right. So kudos to you on that. That was a great call. Um, I think I think I think what it comes down to is, is like we look back at the last couple of Super Bowls. What decides it is, can your quarterback make the play when the quarterback needs to make the play? And that's what I, that's another thing we, you talk about, right? You have, it's been so much, what have you done for me lately, Mike? Um, I also look at these quarterbacks and I don't, I don't trust a lot of them to make that play when you need to make that play. And that's where, you know, it's not, and it's, and it's not, I, I understand that it's, um, I use Jimmy G as an example, but I feel the same way about Kirk Cousins. 
right? The huge comeback win against the the Bills, I feel I feel the same way. That play to get them in the game, that wasn't um that wasn't necessarily Kirk Cousins making a good play. That's 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 Justin Jefferson making the catch of the year. Right? No, that's a great point. That really it, is. A it, good point. It's do you trust your quarterback to make the play? And that's why, like, I'm still I would not be surprised if the Dolphins don't the Dolphins don't make it to pass out of the division around out of the wild card round, or if they don't make the playoffs, because that that both East conferences are stacked. Even the Jets are playing out of their mind this year. So I think that when you when you talk to me like what makes that difference is it's it's the quarterback play because you need a quarterback to make the plays to win you games and if you can't do that you like you're not you're not going to have a Super Bowl champion even <laughs> even the even the really bad Super Bowl right the the Rams Patriots Super Bowl or yeah w- you know the last Brady uh, Super Bowl in New England right it was a it was a ten three game but that's because Brady made the play when he needs to make the play and you have to have a quarterback you can trust. All right, and that was a great breakdown of our power rankings as well as some some really important quarterback uh, issues. So I want to take our look towards the future. We've talked about the past. We've talked about the power rankings and where teams have gotten um, to to this point. So let's take a look towards week 13. So, Mike, Greg, what are some games that you're looking forward to watching this upcoming week? Um, right out – I'm going to – I don't do this that often – but I'm going to go ahead and say the first one is is going to be a homer watch um, is Baltimore at, versus the Broncos. And, I, and I'm only saying that because Ravens are coming off of a loss that for the fourth time this year have just blown it um, in the fourth quarter. Um, thankfully, this one isn't part of the double-digit leads, but the fact that you still had a nine-point lead and you lost, if you – I don't. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna go ahead and call this a must win for the Ravens because the rest of their schedule is is pretty weak, and uh, tripping up and failing to get the win last week really hurt. I think with Cincinnati really putting it together and and they're clicking on all cylinders, they might they could have even cracked my top five this week. Um, I think Cincy is playing that that good, so. Um, I think they have to come out and play. Denver is a tricky team. I think they suck, but they will sneak up on you. Um, the other game I think that w- is interesting to me, as we've talked about it earlier, is the Dolphins-Niners game. Uh, I won't touch too much on that one in case one of you guys are talking about it. Um, but if if Jimmy G and the, the running backs were healthy, I think that could be a really good game. So, But that's all I'll say on that one. And I'm going to jump in right right after you and just say that that was the game that I'm most excited for um, moving forward. I think that that's going to be just a, a great matchup of offensive wits. And, and, you know, the NFL does a for all the crap we give them about everything else they do. They have done a really they do a really good job of making sure that there are um, competitive matchups within the season that uh, kind of echo the way the league is going. And so seeing a former coordinator playing his, his old team like it's. It seems like there's there's one of these games, if not weekly, it's it, by every season, and so it, it's just it's great to see. And so that that to me is where I'm um, most excited to to pop a squad at. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with the AFC Championship rematch. We have um, the Bengals and the Chiefs playing this weekend. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think 
there's going to be some retribution that's going to be sought by um, Patrick Mahomes. I think that Joe Burrow and that offense, if Joe Mixon can come back from this concussion um, healthy, I think it's it's going to really key in on one of the weaknesses for the Chiefs, and that's that run defense. Uh, I know that they just signed Brandon Williams to their practice squad looking to to beef up the, the interior of that defensive line. So I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I'm very interested to see what kind of goes forward from uh, from the Chiefs. Uh, so I think that's going to be my game to watch. Boys, it's time for primetime pick'ems. And we have a shakeup in the standings. Quite excited. The gap has narrowed. Um, so to, re- to give everyone a recap, we decided to change the rules a little bit since we had some really great games on Turkey Day. So we decided to include those in our primetime pick'ems um, because they are the focal point of Thanksgiving. Um, so I six and O on the week had a much needed comeback, a resurgence in the standings. Um, Mike, not, not too hot this week, you know, going three and three, um, took some gamble picks to try and catch up to Greg and it turned around and, and bit you and Mike, um, and Greg, excuse me, also going five and one solid week. Titans let you down, but that tends to happen. Um, so to update the standings right now, I was three games back of, I was actually four games back of Mike and Greg. Um, no, sorry. Three games back. My apologies. Um, I've tied. So I've come back. We are now, Mike and I are tied at 25 and 30 for the year. And Greg is barely holding on to a lead at 27 and 28. So this week, we might see even even more shakeup in the standings. So let's turn to our Thursday night football matchup. We have the Bills and the Patriots. Bills heading down, heading up. Is it up or down, Mike? You're our, our Midwest, or not our Midwest, our, our Northeast geographical con- correspondent. It's over and down. It's over and down. So the Bills are heading down, down to Foxborough Thursday night. So Mike, I'll stick with you as our Northeasterner. Who you got? Just thankfully, you didn't say you're northeast at northeast westerner. So it's actually it's actually northwest eastern. Yeah, but I made it make sense. God, JP, God, just meet me, meet me in the middle. Um, nope. Thursday night football, Bills Patriots. I'm gonna go with the home team this week, and I did this last week, and I got burnt uh, going with this squad. But I think the Patriots will find a way to win. Patriots Thursday night football. Greg, who do you have in the Thursday night showdown? I'm going Bills. Bills close. It's a get right game. Bills by seven. It's not going to be close. And it's going to be by seven because of a late field goal from the Patriots. So I've got the Bills going. All right. Sunday night football. Jeff Saturday coming to your Sunday night. Also, hopefully he remembers to call timeouts. We have the Colts heading down south to face the Cowboys. Greg, who do you got? Um, going with the Cowboys on this one. Um, spread on that one is eleven. Oh, that's that's big, but um, yeah, I'll I'll say they cover. Uh, but Cowboys win that game. Got you down for Greg with the Cowboys covering. Mike, who do you got? That's that's aggressive, Greg. I love it. Um, I'm gonna go Cowboys here as well. Not because they're you know, a superstar team that's going to cover, but because I think it'll be close. They just happen to have better players. 
Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it'll be a closer game. I think Jeff Saturday has um, been able to keep something afloat somehow, some way. Um, much to everyone's surprise, um, ironically, he used to talk a lot about coaches not being able to call timeouts at the end of games on ESPN, where they plucked him right before he started um, halfway through the season, and then uh, Karma came back, and I, it's the Cowboys. But I think it'll be. I think it'll be the Cowboys by seven. I think it's going to be akin to the uh, the Cowboys Giants game on Thanksgiving. Karma undefeated this season. Let's go Un- undefeated. Karma always going to win. Um, but that turns us to our Monday night. We have an NFC South showdown. We have Saints and the Bucks. The Red Rifle taking on Father Time himself, Tom Brady. Um, Greg, who do you got taking away this win? Very important for the playoff implications. Dude. Yeah, if you give a crap about either of those teams, God, it's going to be so boring. Um, You know, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay just because I think they have a better offense. I think that's mainly it. I'm going with Tampa Bay just because I think that their offense can put up a little bit more points than uh, the Saints, even though I think the Saints will play well since they just got shut out in San Francisco this week. So, um, in the NFL, if anything is taught, if there's one lesson I've been taught in the NFL is any team that gets embarrassed the week before or shut out comes and plays the next week. Not saying that they always win, but that they, they, they show out. So, uh, Tampa Bay. Mike, what about you? I mean, I got to give a shout out to your, to your Christmas lead. And I think those are both great Christmas movies between, uh, seeing Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, play you know, four quarters of football and, uh, also watching Andy Dalton play. Um, I think it'll be a, a big, a little bit better of a game than people are anticipating to, to kind of, to Greg's point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to watch this game, um, but I'm going to go with the Bucks here as, as well. I think they're, they're a little too good and I think they're going to uh, put some damper on some holiday spirits in the, in the Saints land. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a close one. I think I, the NFC, South, the NFC South is a weird, weird place. Um, it is, it's a weird, weird, weird place. Um, but I, I think something is telling me that the Bucks just can't seem to shake what's going on. I'm gonna have the Saints coming into Tampa Bay and winning by last-second field goal. So I'm gonna take the Saints with the upset. Vegas only has them. Uh, only has Tampa favored by three and a half points. So Vegas thinks that it's going to be, um, it's going to be a closer game. But now let's separate the cream from the cream of the crop from the rest of the milk. Greg, it's time for your upset pick of the week. Who do you got? All right. This is the first week in a while where, uh, I think this one is really tough. There's a couple games to me that that jump out, um, but I'm if if we were able to change our picks, I I would choose Miami over Niners if given the health of Jimmy Jimmy G. Um, but since we have to make the picks right as, as this recording, um, I'm going with the. Uh, New York football giants over the Washington commanders. Um, 
Giants are a two and a half point underdog at home at too, home, which is wild I to think, me. I know, um, but I think that extra uh, rest time for them will will help a little bit after playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to hop in here with my upset pick of the week. And listen, I can't talk this much about the Dolphins and then not back it up with with my picks. So I think my upset pick, um, it's a four-point underdog on the road against San Francisco. Uh, I think that McDaniels goes in and gets his win. So I'm going to take the Dolphins as my upset pick of the week. I have to back up with what I say. So, um, Mike, why don't you bring us home with your upset pick of the week? I've been really going back and forth this week, guys, and I'll, I'll probably give the first one wrong. Um, but no, I, I've really been between a couple of teams this week. I see that the commanders are only 2.5 point underdogs to the, the, the Giants. I really like that. I'm seeing that um, Tennessee's five point underdogs to the Eagles. That looks good. Oh, man, oh, man, this is tough. Um. I think at the end of the day, though, I'm gonna have to go with the Jets over the uh, over the Vikings. Um, so that's gonna be my my pick of the week. So um, let's 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 do what Denver hasn't, and let's ride. Ooh, okay. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. Um, and gentlemen, that's gonna bring us to, to the end of another episode. You know, um, as Mike said, coming into coming off of the Thanksgiving episode. I'm extremely grateful and thankful for my fellow co-hosts here, but we're also thankful for y'all. We're also thankful for all of our listeners. Um, We love hearing back. We love hearing the feedback. So we want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your week to spend with us and put up with our bickering and our nonsense week in and week out. As we always say, please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, These are are just, they mean a lot to us and they help us. they help us really help make our podcast better and they help us get found by other people. So if you can please throw a like, throw a rate, throw a review, whatever you can do for us um, to help us make the podcast better for y'all, we'd appreciate it. And as always, tune in next Thursday for another episode of the Not Another Football Podcast. Oliver leads us out. That's what we like to hear. Everyone, have a great week. See you next week. Thank you.